and a line drive pass down the near side. Intercepted! Only been two in an interception at the five! Stephon Gilmore, the all-pro quarterback, has just intercepted the Rams quarterback, Jared Goff. Brady under center, spins, hands off Michelle, the block by Devlin, the run over the left guard, touchdown New England. The game's first touchdown with seven to play in the fourth. That'll do it. The New England Patriots have won. Their second Super Bowl championship in the last three years. It probably won't stick in for a very, very long time, but uh, I'm just so blessed to play with the best teammates. It wasn't pretty, but the New England Patriots are Super Bowl champions for a sixth time. Welcome to the NFL season finale of TSN Four Downs right here on TSN 1050. TSN 1150 Hamilton. I'm Andy McNamara. Man, what a run. We can just exhale for a moment and drink in what this season was from top to finish. In a year led by offense, 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 attack, points, 40, 50 points, some classics. It ends in a defensive masterpiece. 13-3, the Pats over the Rams. Sean McVay got degeniused. Of the L.A. Rams. And, hey, when it's all said and done, they didn't dominate during the regular season. They had more ups and downs than usual. But when it counted, the two goats got it done. Got a great show for you today here on TSN 4 Downs, people. First of all, it's the end of the year, so i got to give away some free Domino's pizza. You know that. You know I'm giving away some free Domino's. I'll tell you how you're going to win that a little bit later on. We are delivered by Domino's. Grab a large four-topping pizza for just $12.99. Check out all the great carryout and delivery deals at dominoes.ca. So on the show this evening, straight from the Super Bowl, fresh off from Atlanta, TSN's Farhan Lalji will stop by. Get a little feel of what it was like atmosphere-wise, his takes of being there live. And also, the next guest, very excited to have Tony Grossi on, Pro Football Hall of Fame voter, only one of 48 voters to decide Hall of Famers. Tony Grossi's one of them. He's also Browns analyst for ESPN Cleveland. So he's going to give us a behind-the-scenes look at how the Hall of Fame voting process works. And also, remember right after the Super Bowl, there's some analysts saying, Edelman needs to be a Hall of Famer. He needs to get in. He was the MVP. Well, well, I'm going to ask Tony directly. Again, one of 40 Hall of Fame voters. Would he vote for Edelman? Does he think Edelman would get in? We'll also swing around the AFC North, get into some NFL free agency talk. Now we've got to shift our mind there into the draft. And we're also going to have some way too early Super Bowl finalist predictions. And we've got a Twitter poll at TSN4Downs at AndyMC81. We'll get to that in a moment. But let's start with three and out. First down. And I want to start, just get our feel of what that Super Bowl was. And we'll go back behind to Arad and Shawnee in a minute. But for this Super Bowl, and listen, I, guys, I totally get it, right? If you are a casual fan, or not even that, that sometimes comes off as a slight. If you're just a, a fan, you're kind of tuning in, whatever, and you see 13-3, to 3, I don't blame you to think it was a stinker and a dud. But to me, it wasn't. Because you saw the chess match on defense. Wade Phillips versus Tom Brady one more time. Those two going head-to-head. And then Belichick against one of the most prolific offenses this season. The Rams with Todd Gurley. And I don't care what anyone says. That dude's banged up. They said he was healthy. McVay came out and said it was rhythm. It was game plan. I, I really don't buy that. You have Todd Gurley touch the ball just 10 times 
It wasn't a blow. You could have handed it to him all day. Very bizarre. But the defensive masterpiece of those two, like for Belichick, for a young quarterback with Jared Goff, the confusion, but the simple confusion, that's the brilliance of the Patriots to me, in their simplicity of execution on both sides of the ball. They would flash like seven guys coming for Goff. He'd snap the ball and you'd see him like, huh? And then only three would come or four would come and three would drop back. And he's like, what? And then by the time he figured it out, he had to throw it away or get tackled or whatever the case might be. So that gamesmanship back and forth, I loved. I thought that was really cool. Of course, Edelman, uh, 141 yards. The thing with Edelman is I don't think when people say he didn't deserve the MVP, I don't know who else you could have given it to. Because you could say defense, but if you have to give it to a player, not a unit, which I don't think has ever been done before, there's like both defenses were so strong, but there's not one guy who you could say, okay, wow, he got four sacks or three interceptions. It was everybody doing their part. The closest might have been Stefan Gilmore, but other than that, it's you know, it it just wasn't anyone who was really in on it. So I liked it. Let's go behind the glass. Our technical producer, Aradis Vandy. Arad, what did you think? Now you're the Patriots guy, so the end result I know you loved. Absolutely. But the game itself, when you were watching it, what were your how were you feeling? It was a stinker, but Honestly, if Tom Brady won Super Bowl 51, Bill Belichick won Super Bowl 53. This was, yeah. to me, this was the feather in the cap of one of the greatest defensive minds of all time. Because of that, I was happy for him. Yeah, I think that that's a terrific point. Because he was able to do it. And it wasn't clicking, right, on offense for either side. So they did. Sean, Lavery, Chiefs fan, producer. Yeah. What did you think? I mean, it's hard for me to get over the spectacle that is the Super Bowl. Yeah. So I enjoyed my night watching the game. But of course. the way I'll remember this year is that going back to the Chiefs game, the Patriots held the Chiefs scoreless in the first half. And then in the Super Bowl, the Patriots held the Rams scoreless in the first half. Yes. The Chiefs and the Rams, one and two in regular season yards per game. Two of the most exciting offenses we've ever seen. Of course, Patrick Mahomes eventually got to the Pats mm-hmm. defense, but he's the league MVP. What are you going to do? I was just amazed that Sean McVay didn't make the adjustments. Jared Goff never really got in rhythm. Like we like we saw him struggle against the Saints early on, but then he eventually he got rebounded. into rhythm. That did not happen in the Super Bowl. So I'll remember this one for defense for sure. That I, I Sean, I think that's very interesting you bring that up because the last two games, like this was Belichick's jewel, to your point, Arad. Like this was his jewel in his cap to shut down those two high end offenses. And I personally thought McVay and the Rams, as soon as they deferred. Way too conservative. You have to go after the Patriots. You have to go and try to punch them in the mouth. They held back the reins. It looked like a young coach and it looked like a young quarterback. And he was right when he said he got out coached. Like, it looked like they were tentative. And if you're tentative with the Patriots, they will wait you out. It's the rope-a-dope feel. They'll wait. They'll take your shots. And then when you make a mistake, and you will, they strike. And they did. Now the Super Bowl champs. And that's it. Patriots right. are a chameleon, man. They totally. beat the Chiefs 43-40 to yeah. in the regular season. And then in the Super Bowl, they win 13-3. 13-3. Three. That's the brilliance. But it's all simplicity, guys. There's not a lot of exotic. They have some gimmick plays, sure. But it's all straightforward, fundamental football. And they just execute it so well. The Patriots, the, what was it, three straight plays in the fourth quarter? Same exact look at the line. Sa- ran the same play three times. Went to three different guys. Like it was... 
<laughs> it was brilliant. And Edelman breaking the ankles. Like Julian Edelman at the line. People said, stuff him. You couldn't stuff him. You couldn't stuff him. The footwork was phenomenal. It was like a point guard. He was stunning people. It was, it was it had its moments. It wasn't an all-timer, but it, it had its moments. Let's move on. Second down. So now that this Super Bowl is done, naturally, we need to immediately move on to who wins the next Super Bowl next year. Well, ESPN's Mike Greenberg, along with quarterback friend of show from last week, Dan Orlovsky, and Jets QB Josh McCowan discuss. Who will it be next year at this time that we're talking about? Kansas City, I still like Kansas City a piece or two away, maybe, especially on the defensive end. I'll say Kansas City. I also would love to see, listen, they've got Mahomes, right? So we're going to see this kid's only going to get better. They're not, year as a yeah, they're, they are not going to lose pieces. They're only going to get better. Their offensive line is intact. Their skill positions are intact. He's going to learn from the things that he can learn from and only continue to develop and grow his game. I'd also throw the Bears into there strictly because mm. – Dealing with, you know, they've got some money to spend because of the rookie quarterback help. We saw that play itself out last year, the Eagles, this year with the Rams. I think, Josh? Uh, I think Kansas City, uh, for the same reasons, Pat Mahomes is first year as a starter. So he's only going to get better. And then, and then uh, I look for Philly to bounce back. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Philly bounces back and makes a run. Um, New Orleans, it, it'll be interesting to see. You know, we talk about the Super Bowl loser having the hangover. Do they have a hangover from the play? What about the Jets? Oh, yeah, Whoa, of course. Seems this is our time, Greeny. Sort of a dark horse. <laughs> what do you got? Who you got, Rutledge? Yeah, I, I like Kansas City a lot. I just think the one thing is there are going to be some free agents out there that change those odds immensely the second that, that, that any of them get signed. Yeah, there's, so there's I, a lot a lot of moves to be made between now and the time that gets decided. I yes, also saw a note yes. that the Super Bowl, it was the lowest-rated one they've had in 10 years. Ooh. Coming off what was a very well-rated season, it's still a rating that every other entertainment vehicle on the planet would kill to have. <laughs> Yeah, I was Mike Greenberg at the end. Yeah, it's still like $11 million more than the NBA Finals, so NFL is going to be just fine. Let's move on. Third down. Third down and news coming down, of course, by Adam Schefter, NFL Network. Nick Foles, well, he's a free agent, okay? So the uh, what the Eagles were able to do was say, okay, we're going to pick up your 2019 contract option for $20 million. Nick Foles came back an hour later and said, nah, you know what, I'm going to use the clause where I can buy myself out, buy my freedom for $2 million, he's a free agent. Now, you can still talk about tags and all that, but where he ends up may be a Jacksonville Jaguars with John Filippo, his Eagles uh, a quarterback coach from the two years ago winning the Super Bowl there. Maybe that's an option. A lot of opportunity. We're going to talk about quarterback movement and free agency in the last segment of the show. But let's punt to the poll question at TSN4Downs on Twitter. At AndyMC81, our Domino's Canada Pizza Show Poll. Which of these early Super Bowl underdogs is most likely to make it to the finals next season? So the odds are out in Vegas, you know, pre-draft. There's so much more that can go on, of course. But these are the options we put. The Falcons, 40-1 to 1 odds. Still a lot of offense. The Browns, 20-1 to 1 odds, my Browns. I'm wearing my Baker Mayfield shirt. What can I do? Seahawks, 30-1. to 1. Always a chance with Russell Wilson, and they start to come on later in the season. Or the Houston Texans, also 20-1. to 1. Nasty D, maybe they add a few pieces. Deshaun Watson back there. Falcons, Browns, Seahawks, and Texans. I'm going to go as far as truly to get back there. I'd love my Browns, obviously. But I'm feeling 
I'm feeling maybe the Seahawks. They started to click, and if you can add a couple pieces, I think the Seahawks are still in that window where the defense was just good enough and they can strike. Again, we'll get into it a little bit later. Let's quickly swing around the glass. Arad, who's going to get out of the long shots most likely to make it to the Super Bowl? You can go off the board if you want. I got Falcons, 40-1. to Browns, 20-1. to Seahawks, 30-1. to Texans, 20-1. to I'm going to go off the board. I'm going to go with the Packers of Green Bay. Packers back with Aaron Rodgers. Always a chance. Sean? I have to go with the Texans. Deshaun Watson, another year. J.J. Watt, another yeah. year. I like that team. They have some good pieces. And do that. So you can vote at TSN 4Downs, at AndyMC81. Tweet in your own, if you like, which of the early underdogs is most likely to make it to the Super Bowl next year. We're going to step aside after the break. Fresh from the Super Bowl, TSN Zone, Farhan Alalji joins me. That's next on TSN 4Downs. If you're hungry, check out this great deal from Domino's. Unlimited two-topping medium pizzas for just $7.99 each. That's right, as many pizzas as you want with a minimum purchase of two pizzas. So stock up, dig in, and feed that hunger with unlimited two-topping medium pizzas. Perfect for the big game, a busy night with the family, or just because. Order online today at dominoes.ca and add on some great side dishes and dessert. That's dominoes.ca. Oh, the Patriots theme of this playoffs, really of this season. They're still here. We know, Tom. We know. That was the chant at Disney World with him and Gronk and everybody celebrating their sixth Super Bowl title over the Rams. And that brings us to the NFL season finale show of TSN 4 Downs here on TSN 1050 Toronto, TSN 1150 Hamilton. I'm Andy McNamara. You can get me on Twitter at AndyMC81, the show at TSN4Downs. And a guy who is fresh back from Atlanta, who is there covering it for TSN, our own Farhan Lalji. Farhan, how's it going, man? Andy, I will not admit I was there. <laughs> you can't prove you can it, right? It. You can go with that if you want, but you can't prove I was yeah. there. There's no, you've erased all photos, social media, it's just everything's been deleted. It's all gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh. Every, uh, every defensive out of it. Good Lord. Uh, Farhan, what was more disturbing, the product on the field or Adam Levine uh, shirtless at, uh, at halftime? Your thoughts? Well, you know, I didn't watch much of the halftime show, so the, uh, the wardrobe malfunction, uh, I, did, I did get to see that on a monitor, so I was a little less offended than most. Right. But, uh, you know, listen, for, as far as the on-field product is concerned, Look, I, you know, I've, I've been around football for a long time. I've, you know, I've been able to coach it for 30-some-odd years, and I did have a, a certain level of appreciation for just how well the defense has played, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's easy to say it was a bad football game, which wouldn't be fair. There is a difference between bad offense and great defense. And, yes. you know, this wasn't a game where there were, a, you know, a bunch of wide-open receivers that were missed or a bunch of guys that had easy drop balls or a bunch of offensive penalties or, you know, it, it wasn't that level of, of ineptitude where you could say these are bad offenses. The defense has played great, you know, and, and both Bill Belichick and Brian Flores with the Patriots and Wade Phillips with the, with the Rams did a, a fabulous job of taking away two generally pretty uh, explosive dynamic offenses. You know, I, I know that the Patriots staff is going to get the lion's share of the credit, but I thought what Wade Phillips and the Rams did was equally impressive and it, you know, it, it was one of those games. It's it's funny how it comes full circle, right? Because you look at a game like last year and you say, "Ah, oh, this whole defense wins championship games, game, wins championships is a bunch of crap," right? Yeah. I mean, Tom Brady <laughs> got 500 yards passing and they still lost. It was not about defense. 
you know, so, so all of a sudden we're now looking for young, sexy, dynamic offensive coaches. Fast forward 12 months later, it's all about defense again, right? So, you know, the, the game evolves in many ways. It really does. And you're so right, Farhan. I'm glad you brought that up because the defensive chess match was, spoke about it off the top, was just just masterful. But it was, I, I, I would say for people, what we were expecting, more disappointing. Because at least the game was close. It came down to, hey, it could have still been anyone's game in the fourth quarter. But from what we expected from, especially the Rams, and, and for Belichick, the last two weeks, to hold the two best offenses in football, scoreless for the first half, I think is just, it just goes again to his, his brilliance. Like, he just, he finds new ways to be great. Yeah, you're right. And listen, you know, a few years ago, and there actually was a Brady versus Manning debate, yeah. I was always on the Manning side. And the reason I was on the Manning side is because I always said it was two against one, that it was not mm-hmm. a Brady versus Manning debate. It was Brady and Belichick versus Manning. And Brady's greatness, 50% of it could be attributed to the guy that was coaching and, and how good the defenses were around him. Even if the defensive talent was good, not great, they always played great. And, and that's a testament to him, right? And Listen, there's a lot of reasons to dislike Bill Belichick, and I'm one of those guys that can't stand it when the Patriots make it to a Super Bowl because we're stuck dealing with Bill Belichick again. <laughs> but you, you can't deny uh, what this guy does in terms of uh, how brilliant he is defensively, but also how he's able to um, you know, build his rosters, right? I mean, there's, there's a lot of levels to why he's been so successful for so long without getting high draft picks, right? It's, yeah. it's amazing what he's done, and you look at it defensively yesterday and, or sorry, on Sunday, and just the amount of times he was, you know, they brought pressure regularly, right? Uh, and, and a lot of teams were afraid to pressure the Rams during the course of the season, and, and he wasn't. He did it with a lot of zone looks behind him because Goff struggled against zone, and, you know, McVay didn't adjust well, and when it came to Belichick versus Goff, it was like taking candy from a baby oh, yeah. because Goff looked rattled from the first series onwards. In conversation with Farhan Lalji of TSN on Twitter, at Farhan Lalji TSN, uh, coming back from Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta. And let's go to that for Jared Goff, because we saw him shaken in the New Orleans game, but he was ultimately able to overcome. And uh, Farhan, to me, it looked like not just Goff, but also Sean McVay. I hate the deferring at the start, at times, and I thought this was a case where you had to really try to set the tone, and he just, it just didn't seem like the Rams. They were very tentative, I felt, and you could kind of feel like, okay, they're, they're pulling it back, and they tried not to lose more than to win, and I think that kind of showed on both the coach, the play calling, and on Goff. Yeah, you know, I, I think all of that is fair. Um, you know, and he's kind of that kind of coach that you, that should be able to, think differently and not do what everybody right. does, and that's defer, right? I mean, if I, if I was him and I watched what the Patriots did to Kansas City and that run defense, I would not have deferred. Absolutely. Because, you know, that eight and a half minute drive. That said, it didn't really affect them because they didn't give up any points. And on Brady's first pass attempt, he threw an interception. So it, it didn't really necessarily hurt them. But there were other moments in the game, too, you know, um, where I thought they could have been more conservative. Like, you're in the third quarter and you finally got a drive going, and now it's third and two, and he, you know, he calls a slant route or a, a, kind of a skinny post route to the to the inside receiver, and Goff just flat out misses him. And it, you know, if it's me on third and two in that situation with a quarterback that's been average, I would run the football. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the one drive you finally got going. I'd run the football in that situation with C.J. Anderson, and and you know, try to keep the drive going. You know, and, and gain some first downs that way. There were there were some moments there where the the play calling there was just there was no symmetry to it in terms of situational management and um, 
when to get conservative, when to blow the game opener a little bit, or at least attempt to. There just seemed to be a little less of that. You know, when you watch his play calling, and listen, when it works, everything's beautiful because, you know, you call plays off what's just happened. But they just they, they couldn't sustain any kind of drives. I mean, a long drive for them, you go through three quarters and five plays, right? So, yeah. you know, people talk about Todd Gurley and why he wasn't involved. Well, they didn't get any first downs. You know, he did have 11 touches. If they had some first downs and some drives, maybe you could find ways to get them a few more touches later in drives. But it just felt like they were constantly in openers because they were always punting. When I say openers, I mean play one of a drive, right? So it, it just um, there was just no flow there for anybody to look comfortable. No, and that, again, goes to Belichick and that defense of making them uncomfortable. So, Varn, where do you think the Rams go from here? Everyone dumping on McVay. Listen, if you got to lose and get de-pantsed on national TV, you might as well do it to the greatest head coach of all time and the greatest quarterback of all time, even though he might not have played with it, or played like it. So, McVay and the Rams, are, are, do you feel this is a team that should, could be back in the big game next year? Yeah, I, I do, right? I mean, now, listen, their division is going to get a lot tougher like it used to be back in the, you know, um, Richard Sherman, Colin Kaepernick days, you know, when, when those teams were, were pretty big rivals because, you know, you should have San Francisco take a step up with Garoppolo back mm-hmm. and Seattle is, you know, that's, that's a pretty quick rebuild. They're going to be quick to climb. So it'll be a tough division for them to get to. But, yeah, I mean, you know, their best players are young. Uh, I don't think you throw the baby with, out with the bathwater. I really do wonder just what Jared Goff's ceiling truly is and, Listen, uh, you know, I know that he, he's had some good years uh, in, in the last two under Sean McVay, but I'm curious to see. He's only 24. You can't say he's hit his ceiling, but, uh, you know, I, I wonder. I, I just do. I haven't seen enough where I'm wowed and mm-hmm. believe he's, uh, you know, a, a face of the league type of quarterback. I still think there's a level above him in this league, and I don't know if he's ever going to crawl into that level. But, you know, I still think McVay's an excellent coach. I think he's going to learn from that experience and get better. You heard his comments after the game where he basically took it on the chin himself, yeah. which I think is a testament to him also. Yeah, he did get outcoached, but I think he also wanted to take the heat off his quarterback, right? Yeah. But, you know, they've got a good offensive line. They're, they've got elite defensive linemen, strong defensive backs, uh, you know, up, you know, guys uh, in, at the linebacking group that nobody had heard of and now are getting better, you know, the Corey Littleton type. So I think that defense is good. Curious to see how much longer Wade Phillips is doing this with him. They believe in him. You know, I, I don't think um, that that uh, that you can – you're going to keep the Rams in the discussion in the NFC for a long time here. I, I think McVay's great. The, the one question I have, I mean, I think, I think Jared Goff is a good quarterback – Will he ever be a great one? I'm curious to find out. Yeah, and we know the Patriots are always going to be in the conversation to get back for the AFC. Uh, Farhan, thank you so much for taking the time, man. Really appreciate it. Anytime, Andy. All right, there he goes. Farhan Lalji from TSN, back from Super Bowl 53. Some great insight there. We're going to step aside. After the break, one of only 48 Pro Football Hall of Fame voters Tony Grossi, also Browns analyst for ESPN Cleveland. He's going to take us behind the curtains, how the voting process works in the Hall, who we thought should have got in that didn't, and all the hype around Julian Edelman being a Hall of Famer. Would Tony vote for him? We're going to find out. Tony Grossi joins me next on TSN 4 Down. Welcome back. It's the NFL season finale, season three finale of TSN 4 Downs. I'm Andy McNamara. You're listening on TSN 1050 Toronto, TSN 1150 Hamilton. 
Get us on Twitter at AndyMC81 at TSN4Downs. And to win some free Domino's pizza, we are delivered by Domino's. Grab a large four-topping pizza for just $12.99. Head to Domino's.ca today. All you got to do is follow at AndyMC81, follow at TSN4Downs. Then when the show's done, retweet my pinned tweet at AndyMC81, and I'll pick a winner later this week by, let's say, Thursday. And we'll get a free Domino's pizza price. That's all you got to do. Now, I caught up with this gentleman a little bit earlier on uh, today. Pro Football Hall of Fame voter. There's only 48 of them. So one of 48 to get an inside look at the the behind-the-scenes Hall of Fame voting process that just went down over Super Bowl weekend. He's also Browns analyst for ESPN Cleveland. Have a listen. Me and Tony Grossi. Tony, let's start with the fantastic article you wrote on ESPNCleveland.com giving readers an insight that Many people don't get as far as the Pro Football Hall of Fame voting process. You're one of 48, and the most recent one, you took us behind, and I, I just couldn't get enough of the article, Tony, because really outsiders, like I personally kind of picture the process of, you know, fancy butlers bringing drinks and champagne in a big room and all that. <laughs> it, it's not like that, is it? <laughs> no, but that's a great idea to have, uh, have us waited on. Right. You know, we're, we're in there a long time. Uh, this was actually the shortest meeting, at least in the last five years, and that took seven hours and 40 minutes to come down from original 18 finalists down to what ended up being an eight-person class for 2019. Wow. So it's a, it's a very arduous. It's uh, mentally taxing. Not hard work physically, but there's a lot of arguing. There's talking. There's uh, a lot, a lot to think about, and it's a responsibility that nobody in that room takes lightly. Tony, do you feel there's like an advantage of someone being presented at the start compared to at the end when everybody is mentally drained? Have, have you seen over the years? Is there an advantage to going early? Well, that's a great question because what we do is. We, we talk about each candidate in a predetermined order uh, before the voting takes place. So by the time we start voting, uh, it could be, uh, you know, six hours Jeez. later. Uh, now, they have kind of, with that in mind, there there is a little period for like a last word refresher uh, just before the voting uh, starts uh, each presenter who presented each candidate does get a chance just to remind everyone or something he missed, and it will be very brief. But, yeah, I think um, the order isn't really as important as it sounds, saying all that. It's the strength of the candidate mm-hmm. and the presentation and the arguments set forth. Everybody in there pretty much takes notes, too. I know I've been doing that to write this insider piece, but also – to, to remind me of something that was set <laughs> five or six hours earlier. So, uh, you know, having the last word, sometimes it's more effective, but you don't have control over that because, like I said, the order of the candidates is predetermined. Right. right. So out of this class, was there any surprises to you who got in, anybody you thought who should have got in? or? Yeah, well, I was surprised and disappointed that Edger and James did not get in. To right. me, I thought he was as close to a no-brainer pretty much as anyone in there. He'd been a finalist, I think, two times or three times in a row, something like that. I thought his uh, his his numbers were totally worthy, and I think running back is one of the one of the few positions 
where numbers really do matter, and they're not inflated from one error to the other for running back. Plus, he was unchallenged by any other running back on the on the uh, ballot this year, which you know kind of helps sometimes because if you got multiple players at the same position, uh, they usually can cancel each other out. So I I was a little disappointed that Edger and James didn't get in this time. I'm sure he'll get in, uh, but I thought the, the, this year was the right year. In conversation with Tony Grossi, a Pro Football Hall of Fame voter, Browns analyst for ESPN Cleveland on Twitter, at Tony Grossi. You can get him as well on the landondemand.com. Now, Tony, a lot was being said after the Super Bowl, and everybody's caught up in the moment, right? Okay, Julian Edelman, Hall of Famer. I saw several analysts saying, yes, Hall of Famer, and some saying, are you crazy? No way, because of his regular season. When we look at his stats, he has two 1,000-plus-yard seasons. Playoff success, absolutely phenomenal. Also, a little bit of a PED thing on the side there. If he retired today, would you be on board uh, as, as far as just kind of off the top of your head of Julian Edelman being potentially a Hall of Famer? Well, if that was a Super Bowl Hall of Fame, he'd right. certainly be in it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, when you look at his whole body of work, there there's so many, so many more receivers worthy. Yeah. He's been fantastic in the postseason and, and, uh, I'm sure he'd rather have the Super Bowl trophies and rings than than any individual honor. But uh, my gut feeling, Andy, would be no. But we'll see when five years after he retires what kind of argument we hear. Uh, but no, I think that's uh, yeah, that's a that's kind of the reaction you get, prisoner of the moment reaction sure. from people. This guy, that guy, whatever. Uh, when the dust settles, that that's what's great about the process. The Hall of Fame process is, you know, you, you wait five years after a player's retired, and and the emotion of whatever he just did is pretty much out of it, and you, and you look at the hardcore career as a whole. Right, you can look at it a little bit more objectively. Uh, Tony, you were in Atlanta during Super Bowl week. Just give me your your kind of uh, final thought on that Super Bowl, a defensive masterpiece, but boy, for two offenses that <laughs> everybody expected a lot more out of. Oh yeah, and I, you know, if you're the Rams, you're you're thinking, boy, you don't you don't get many games that Brady doesn't throw for five mm-hmm. touchdowns, you know, very often, and they let it slip away. There's no doubt in my mind that, you know, Jared Goff had picked the wrong day to have one of his worst games, and and I don't think uh, Sean McVay did much creatively to to wake up his team. You know, uh, I I did I thought it was a very forgettable Super Bowl. We've had a lot of really great games recently, and, and the Patriots have been in most of them, but I don't think this one ranks as a classic at all. No, and Tony, and anybody who follows you on Twitter, at Tony Grossi, knows how you feel about deferring. I am so on board with you with this, because <laughs> you defer, you cannot be uh, you cannot be timid against Belichick and the Patriots. You have to go down, try to punch him in the mouth right away. If you hesitate, they will defeat you. And I use the example kind of as Muhammad Ali, George Foreman, the old rope-a-dope, right? They will wait. They will take the shots. But when you make that one mistake, and you will, then they strike. And if you're not aggressive, you get beat. And I think that's what we saw. To me, it felt like the Rams were playing scared. Well, that's a pet peeve of mine. And uh, <laughs> I'm going to keep hammering it because... <laughs> Every time I criticize it, I hear from analytics buffs all over the world, and I just can't. I'm, I'm, I must be too dense and too stupid. <laughs> well, to I'm with see you. The then. logic <laughs> of deferring. 
especially if your offense is your strength. Yeah. Now, after they deferred, of course, they they got the interception, and I heard from people saying, see, you idiot, that's why you defer, (laughs) because now they're going to get the kickoff in the second half. My my problem is this, Andy. I think I think scoring first is one of the greatest uh, advantages any team can have in any game, mm-hmm. particularly a Super Bowl. So the you know if you have a decent offense, Rams were number two. Why would you give up the opportunity to score first? There's yeah. no guarantee you're going to intercept Brady or even hold them to to a punt. So I don't understand it at all. If, if I had a miserable offense like the Browns over the last 20 years, uh, the deferring sometimes makes sense, not all the time. No. Uh, and yet every time I write about it or speak about it or tweet about it, I hear from people like Joe Banner who who just says, you know, there's been all kinds of studies done about this, and you're you're wrong. Well, uh, I you know I've seen the Browns defer for three years. And I don't think won like four or five games doing it. So, uh, scoring first to me is is the key. Not whether you call heads or tails, defer or take the ball. If you score first, the odds improve significantly. You're going to win. Hundred percent with you. You got support from the Great White North here, Tony. I'll tell you that. Uh, well, that's good. I feel good about that. <laughs> let's let's finish off with this. Of course, you cover the Browns, do an amazing job for ESPN Cleveland and uh, the Land on Demand. For the Browns, all the hype, the Baker Mayfield. Uh, listen, I'm hooked. I, I'm I'm all in. Free agency and the state of the AFC North. We see all the drama in Pittsburgh. Nothing sure with the Ravens. Uh, the Bengals hire a McVay disciple quarterback coach. Who knows? What do you think the Browns have to do in free agency? And then, I guess, moving forward to the draft, too, to, to finally try to take that next step and overtake Pittsburgh and take the division. Um, you, well, as far as player acquisitions, um, I think they're going to be less active in free agency. Um, you know, obviously, it's a, there's still holes to mm-hmm. fill. Uh, defensive line help. Uh, I I think they still need a big, dependable, but big and physical wide receiver. Uh, there's one in, with the Chargers who's a free agent who, who I really like, Terrell Williams. Right. Um, I, you know, I think they need a pass rusher opposite Miles Garrett. Emmanuel Ogba is not going to be that guy, it, it, it appears. Doesn't mean you get rid of him, but you need someone to take advantage of Garrett's double teaming. Uh, defensive tackle. Uh, other than that, you know, then there's a question about offensive tackle. I, I don't know if I'd even spend the money on a starting caliber left tackle because I think Greg Robinson will be resigned and that that will help there and then you just draft one so i don't think they did so much last year to catch up to other teams to the to just to the average roster that i think they're they're well on their way and they don't have to have that big influx of turnover this year and just depend on john dorsey's drafting to uh, finish it off and also then to mature as a team with the guys they got coming back what a different mindset year over year. My goodness. Uh, Tony, great job. Thank you so much for the insight, and let's do it again soon. You're welcome. Thank you, Andy.
There he goes, Tony Grossi, Pro Football Hall of Fame voter and Browns analyst for ESPN Cleveland. We're going to step aside, really get into the offseason storylines. NFL free agencies, Nick Foles, where is he going to go? Other quarterback landing spots, top names in salaries, Le'Veon Bell. What's going to happen to him? Antonio Brown. Also a few draft prospects i got my eye on. And some way too early Super Bowl predictions for next year. That's coming back to wrap up TSN 4 Downs next. Back to wrap up the NFL season finale edition of TSN 4 Downs here on TSN 1050 Toronto. I'm Andy McNamara. You can get me on Twitter at AndyMC81. The show at TSN 4 Downs. Don't forget, people, we are delivered by Domino's. Go grab yourself a large four-topping pizza for just $12.99. Check out all the great deals. Carry out delivery at Domino's.ca. Got of course, go with the Marvel Cookie Brownie. I've been telling you about it for the past year. you got to give that a try. And also, I will be giving away... Some free Domino's Pizza. Domino's Pizza Prize. This is all you have to do. Follow me on Twitter at AndyMC81. Follow the show on Twitter at TSN4Downs. And then retweet my pinned tweet that has the show link. It's not up yet, but it'll have the show link in it, the pinned tweet. Retweet that, and I will pick a winner on Thursday. So go win yourself. Yeah. Our studio audience loves it. Go win yourself (laughs) some Domino's Pizza. And, guys... Let's get to our... I want to go in reverse order here. I want to start with our way-too-early Super Bowl winners for next year. It just ended. Uh, Producer Sean Lavery. Shawnee, give me an update. How, How did we do in our big picks from last week from the Super Bowl? Right, so last week we actually did very well because all three of us were correct, picking the Patriots as two and a half point favorites. Yeah, it sounds like Vegas lost some money on on just the straight up point spread, but as always, Vegas does just fine for themselves. They're okay. They made it back on prop bets and all the other stuff going on there. Um, so during the year, the big three was our big three locks of the week, right? right. On the point spread. Since there's no games anymore, what we're going to do is the big three, the three teams we trust the most to win the Super Bowl next season. Three teams we trust the most to win the Super Bowls. Okay. So, starting from number three and up to one. I'm going to say the New England Patriots are my number three to win. The defending champs. The reason being, we figure the Patriots will get there, but I don't necessarily have the confidence that they can win it again. Depends on the opponent, of course. But for the Patriots, I think what we saw was Gronk continues to deteriorate. He looked good enough, but the the season, is he going to be gone? Can the weapons, can Tom Brady hold on? That deep ball of his doesn't seem to be pushing it. Is is Are things catching up with him? So I'll say for my number three, the New England Patriots. Arad, who's your three? My number three, just like you, is the New England Patriots. Ooh. This was one of Tom Brady's worst years. Mm-hmm. I the mean, team they made it to the Super Bowl on the back of Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels' great game plans. Yeah. And I don't know if they can duplicate it again. Sean? I'm going to go off the board a bit. I'm going to go with the L.A. Chargers. The Chargers? They're the team that kind of built momentum as the season went along and along and along. We'll see if they can carry that throughout the offseason into next year. Phillip Rivers is obviously a great quarterback and has all the experience in the world during the regular season. Um, and he seems like one of those pieces where it's like you build around this guy. Hey, yeah. let's do it for Philip, right? Can he do it one one time? But they are in a tough division, so yeah, they're, they're my third team. Bronco. Okay, so number two, I'm going to go with the New Orleans Saints. They were so close again, you know, part hose job. But again, people forget. Listen, Drew Brees did throw an interception in overtime. 
But the way they're built, they just reminded me so much of their Super Bowl year. Tremendous offense, but the defense. And I think a couple pieces, that could be the team that could really jump up and say, all right, hey, you know what? We're going to actually make a go of it. So I'll say the Saints, all right? I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs because I feel like the only thing that's holding me back about that team, honestly, is Andy Reid. I feel like with a new defensive coordinator, the defense will be better. Patrick Mahomes is obviously amazing. The only thing that's holding me back is not Andy Reid's coaching ability. It's that, you know, the deal he made with the devil that somehow he can't make it to the Super Bowl. Some sort of black cloud that hangs over him every time. The game management. Sean, who do you got? It's number two. My number two is also the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm so excited to watch more Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. I think Andy Reid is the Philip Rivers of the Kansas City Chiefs, where it's, hey, let's do it for Andy. Do it for Andy. Or in L.A., they're saying, hey, let's do it for Philip. Um, I just think Patrick Mahomes is going to be the face of the NFL going forward. Like, probably starting this season, actually. Patrick Mahomes is going to be the face of the NFL. He's amazing. Yeah, he was absolutely sensational. My number one, I'd love to say my Cleveland Browns. I am wearing my Baker Mayfield shirt. But... Alas, I will not. I will. I will keep the whole the my favoritism to to a minimum. I want to say my number one team is the Kansas City Chiefs, and it's because to your point, Sean, the ability of Patrick Mahomes. The moment the moment looked too big for Jared Goff in the Super Bowl. The moment never looked too big for Pat Mahomes. The defense. You got to add some pieces. You got to figure out the running game, and you add a little bit more. A little bit more. And you can get over the top, man. And I feel the Chiefs, they're, they're right there. And, yeah, it, it's, it's going to come down to win more home games in the playoffs. But ultimately, I'm going to say Chiefs. So there we go. And folks, I told you about this last week. And guys, uh, my guys at Station Cold Brew Coffee, they delivered some coffee. It's all I've been drinking. Uh, instead of hot coffee, I've been going Station Cold Brew, the craft beer of coffee. Now, it's, there's no beer in it. It is just cold brew coffee. They got... Regular, they got hickory flavor. They have mocha, vanilla. The coconut is a dark horse favorite. Stationcoldbrew.com. Give them a try. It's organic. It's all natural flavors. It is smooth. And even on a cold day, it tastes good, man. It's real good. Check out all their cool products. They got recipes and stuff, too. Cocktails, uh, smoothies at stationcoldbrew.com. So give them a try. Uh, they're good dudes over there. Toronto-based out of Etobicoke. Let's get to some NFL free agency, guys. Some quarterback landing spots. We talked about Nick Foles earlier. Bought himself out for $2 bucks. He's going to be looking around. Where is he going to go? Jacksonville Jaguars makes a whole lot of sense to me because of the connection with John Filippo. Now, where else? Well, could he be going somewhere like, uh, what about Miami? Is it going to be the highest bidder for Nick Foles? Miami Dolphins are going to get rid of uh, Ryan Tannehill. What's going to happen to Eli Manning? Is there? I think Nick Foles is going to get overpaid for really what he is. And what a story. But he still shows you during the regular season early on why he's not a regular starter. I think he's going to get overpaid a lot. Other notable quarterback free agents, Tyrod Taylor, who did nothing with the Browns this year. And I'm kind of glad he did because then Baker got in. But he made over $15 million last year. I think what we're going to see is Nick Foles goes somewhere, and then everybody else start to panic because you got a real uh, talk about dark horses. How about Teddy Bridgewater? New Orleans didn't get to do anything, but he's healthy. He was a riser before that horrific knee injury. Fits magic in spurts, right? Did the Jets bring Josh McCowan back? After that, it gets a little ugly. Matt Schaub, mm. Ryan Griffin, no. Robert Griffin the third. Also, no. Mark Sanchez. Ooh. 
And it looks like in Washington, actually, guys, what do you think of this? For Washington, Alex Smith is going to be out all next season. Do you go get Nick Foles? No. What do you do? You You got to draft a young guy if you're Washington. That's a rebuilding team. Nick Foles should go to the Giants. I'm sorry. Mm. That will piss off Philly fans, number one. <laughs> I will love it. And two, that team is literally just a quarterback away. Just a quarterback well, an away. an O-line, but the quarterback yeah, away. Yeah, the O-line's a little bit better. But yeah, like Mark Sanchez, the draft. And I'm glad you brought the draft. We are going to have our draft special during draft week of the NFL. So that'll be in April. Stay tuned on Twitter at AndyMCD1. We'll release that. My top quarterback, Dwayne Haskins out of Ohio State. Drew Locke under that. I'm not convinced yet. I want to see more at the Combine. But it's generally a weak quarterback free agency class and not a high-end class in the draft. So that's what makes it interesting. Real quick, I want to get to a couple of my um, under-the-radar draft prospects to watch from the Senior Bowl. I'm going in. This is a guy I love. Listen, from Temple, cornerback, Rock Yasin. His first name's Rock. I'm, I'm happy. Boom. Mears receivers very well. He's physical but not handsy. Of course, important in this age of uh, penalties. Big two, six two, and what he does. Oftentimes, you see with big defensive backs, they're slow and they can't keep up. Rock can keep up. Lonnie Johnson Jr. very raw, but another guy who can keep up. Loads of potential. Six three two oh six, and a kind of kick returner tweener running back wide receiver to keep an eye on, who's probably going to be mid-rounds, maybe a little bit later, Tony Pollard out of Memphis. He returned seven kicks for touchdowns over his three years and had nine touchdowns rushing, nine touchdowns receiving, and this is a, a, a gadget guy I think could really be an impact. So those are just a couple. We'll go through all that um, uh, when uh, the draft episodes air as well. So that'll just about do it, folks. You can vote on our Twitter poll. At AndyMC81, at TSN4Downs, who is your long-shot Super Bowl appearance for next year? Who's going who's gonna to get there? Not necessarily win, but who's going to get there? The Falcons at 40-1, to the Browns at 20-1, to the Seahawks at 30-1, to Texans at 20-1, to Seahawks leaders in the clubhouse at 31%. Don't forget to enter for free Domino's Pizza. Follow me on Twitter at AndyMC81 and at TSN4Downs and retweet the pin tweet of the show when we get it posted. What a great year. Thank you so much to Domino's Pizza for being the sponsor for this show. Class at guys all the way there. Jeff, Dean, all the boys. And to Aradas Vandy from Behind the Glass, technical producer extraordinaire, Sean Lavery producer. What a stud helping get this show underway and going each and every week. And thank you to each and every one of you. This truly, this show means so much to me. So thank you so much. We'll be back in April. You've been listening to TSN 4 Downs on TSN 1050 Toronto and TSN 1150 Hamilton.